Hello, everyone, and welcome to the relaunch of Trev Talks, a podcast. Um, now, if you remember, I did launch it about this time last year. I did promise everyone it'd be about 20 minutes long for each one and never actually got around to doing any because I was too busy actually blogging. So um, we're going give, to give it another go and hopefully we'll get a few more going as we go through the year as well with little bits and pieces that go on. But but tonight, as it's a relaunch, I've managed to get hold of someone with a little nugget every now and then that comes along um, that you think, oh, actually, I think that'll make quite a good interview. So uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago on on Twitter after I seen him do another podcast, and he was quite happy to come on and do one here. So tonight we've got a bit of a, uh, probably an hour-long special, and I'm joined by the ex-Aldershot, Dagenham, Barnet, and current Bromley defender, Callum Reynolds. Callum, thank you for coming on. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. So um, obviously I know you from your time at Barnet and then followed you since you've left there, as most people do when players lead clubs, they follow, follow you everywhere you go um, and that sort of thing. But probably what a lot of people won't, won't realise is you actually started back in 2006, six seven roughly, as I've got, at Rushton and Diamonds. Yeah, some younger fans don't even know what that is. <laughs> they don't exist. I know they, they they restarted as, I think, AFC Rushton and Diamonds. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, kind of a long road, if you like. Um, I was actually on trial at Crystal Palace at under-16s. I played for Stevenage, but it wasn't, they didn't have like an academy or any kind of setup there, sort of under-16s. Went on trial at Palace. I was there for about two months um, and played with some ledge players, one being John Bostock, who obviously scored at Wembley the other week. He uh, did, yeah, and his cheek, cheeky little handicap that didn't come off, did it? I can't. I'd feel. I don't know why, but I felt like he was going to do it. I didn't realize he had a history of doing them, and he's lucky they had they had a penalty in the bank, if you like, because yeah. it could have been costly. But <laughs> yeah, he was there, and then Billy Bingham, I'm playing with at Bromley now, um, and a couple other good lads. And I didn't get. I was going for a scholarship, didn't get one. I remember I was devastated, crying on the train home. Um, I thought like. I just thought it was over. They were a Premier League team. Stevenage were non-league at the time in the conference. And then from that, I got a phone call to play a game for Russian Diamonds um, from a guy called, I think it was Jeff Harrop back in the day. I don't know if anyone will know him. Um, played one game against Luton, funnily enough, which is where I'm from. Uh, I was 16. It was an under-18s game. And I just remember it was end of season. It was hot. And I was, these some of these guys were men. I think it was when you had third-year scholars. So it was up mm. to 19-year-olds. And I was just trying to get through the game, if I'm honest. I was knackered. Um, and off the back of that, they offered me a scholarship. They were in League Two at the time. And between signing and the end of the season, they got relegated, which was obviously disappointing for me. But the club, it was a big blow. Um, and I don't know when the Dr. Martins guy left. I never met him. But from what I heard, as soon as he, he left and the money kind of was pulled out, yeah, dropped lower and lower. Um and I started I started life there pretty well to be fair I got called up early to train with the first team as a sixteen year old uh, Paul Hart was the manager and we had some ledge coaches Ian Bowyer for the older generation oh, yeah yeah legend and Ian Warren as well um oh, sweet left foot sweet left foot yeah I remember a training session he was out wide crossing him and he was a coach bear in mind and like I'd never. I've never defended against, even up to this day, across that good. 
he'd look at me and I'd think I've got this one. I'm going near post and he'd, it'd be that far over my head. So I'm thinking, right, next one, I'm going to hold back. And he'd whip it front post and just, yeah, he had a wand on him. So that was, that was good to grow up around that. But the team was bad. We had four managers in the first year. I remember the first team and like, it was a good education because it just shows there's no real stability in football. I thought mm. you go in, you kind of, you're with a club. I remember I got on the bench. The first game was on the bench. They got spanked 4-0. I think it was Norwich Victoria. Um, I nearly come on, but then I'm probably glad I didn't because I was getting battered. And on the Monday, he got sacked. I remember ringing my dad. I was like, it's over. The manager's gone. I thought that was it. And then, yeah, that year it was just manager after manager. Graham Wesley come in to steady the shit for a few months. And then someone else was caretaker manager. And then end of season, I think it was Gary Hill. And it just never really happened. And then yeah, I rang. I actually rang Paul Hart at the end of the season because I was a kid. I didn't. I didn't know any different. I wasn't really involved in the first team anymore. I didn't have an agent and stuff. I just for a bit of advice. And um, and he said, "I'll oh, go in with your parents and say, look, I want a pro contract or I want to leave." So I was like, "Okay, that's what I'm going to do." Hung the phone up, started driving home. This was before hands free and stuff. And my phone rang again uh, as I pulled over. It was Paul Hart about 10 minutes later and he said, oh, what if I could bring you to Portsmouth? Because he's got the job as head of the academy there. I was, I was going to ask how you ended up there because obviously that's quite a jump, wasn't it? From yeah, Russian yeah. to Portsmouth. And he was like, what, what if I could bring you to Portsmouth? And I said, yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> Thinking like trying to play it cool. Um, and he goes, all right, I see what I can do. Uh, don't like, don't tell any, tell your family, like, but don't like saying, keep under your hat till I've sorted it. So I was right, cool. And I come off that, I got home and I rang all my mates. I was like, I'm going to the Premier League. I'm going port. Like nothing was sorted. Luckily, eventually he did it. Um, I went down there with a lad called Paris Cowan Hall. Yes, knowing yeah. Yeah, he's had a decent career. Um, and another guy called Emmanuel Udoji, who funnily enough played at Bromley before. Um, and I'm going on a stag do tomorrow, <laughs> randomly. <laughs> he's still a good mate. So yeah, we all went down there. And that was mad, like going to Portsmouth probably the best years of the club they won the FA Cup in the first year they had the well, it was your wafer cup back then Europa League um, playing against AC Milan like some of the players I got Kaka's shirt I got a picture of Ronaldinho like it was just mad but even the team there we had Champions League winners like Carnu had won it with Ajax Pedro Mendes I think was at Porto Andy Cole was there from like he'd won it at Man United and pretty much a team of full internationals so like that was a mad a mad step up, but I believed I was, I kind of deserved to be there after seeing like in the youth team, I went there, I was captain and I captained the reserves as well. Um, And I went on loan to, I went on loan to Luton, I think when I'm my second or third year pro. Um, But fun, funnily enough, it was the year Luton just got relegated to the National League. I think they had 30 point deduction or something. That's like that. right, yeah. Um, there's a bit of a trend. I signed for clubs that had just come down. <laughs> so Rushton was one, then Luton. Started well, got put up to England Sea. And I remember the morning of the England Sea game, we played Hungary away in Budapest. And I injured my knee and I knew it wasn't right. But I knew I was starting that night and I thought, I've got to transfer for my country here. I just like, don't say anything, get through it. So I did come back to Luton and it kind of was getting worse. And I just... I kind of put it down to, I thought it was just growing pains. I was playing with a men's team, training like more intense and stuff. Um, and then Mick Harford was the gaffer. He got sacked. Richard Money come in and it wasn't great when he took over. He kind of just bombed all the young lads off. 
and I actually broke my foot. Someone booted my foot and broke it, and he tried to blame me for the other guy hurting his foot. Um, but the X-ray never showed anything. But I knew from a kid I broke my foot, and so I knew the pain. Um, mm. He was like, "The physio thinks you're faking it. I don't think you're injured." And I said, "Look, I like I don't even I don't even want to play for you." To be honest, I said, "I didn't sign for you. You don't want me to play for you." And then he tried to flip it on me um to say like oh no i don't know if i want to extend your loan because it was a six month loan and stuff and i said look i'm like i'd rather just go back to portsmouth so i did and eventually after another x-ray it weren't until i had an mri where i had a cracked bone in my foot so i was trying to run to prove to the physio like i've tried all these things um and then that was a season pompey got relegated so a few young lads made their debuts in the prem and i thought just get get in a squad get a shirt with your mm. name Premier League number on and um, but the pain in my knees started coming back and I just started training worse and worse and eventually I said the physio because I thought I'm not even going to get picked at this rate and I went for an MRI um, no sorry ultrasound scan of my knees like I couldn't walk up and down the stairs I was in agony couldn't drive I was just but no one really knew until I told the physio had the scan and the do a do private doctor so he's not really connected to the club but you go there for scans and stuff. And he was scanning my knees and he went, oh, shit. And I'm thinking, like, doctors aren't supposed to say that. <laughs> like, I don't know how you're walking, let alone playing. And I just said, like, it was both knees as well. And I was like, yeah, I'm in a bad way here. And the timing of it was just like, it's just one of them things. It was coming to the end of the season. Everything I tried, I just couldn't get fit. Couldn't train for more than two days in a row. And then I was out of contract. So I ended up... I basically retired from football. I'd given up. I thought, I can't even go on trial anywhere because I can't train for two days in a row. I can't mm -hmm. just play, play a game and see how it goes. And I remember there was... Peter Crouch was there and he was talking about Gerard at Liverpool had it when he was younger. And he said, oh, he hardly trained. He just played games. And I'm thinking, yeah, but he's the captain of Liverpool. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm just... I'm trying to make... I'm trying to even just get a contract here. I think someone said that played at Stoke with Shawcross said the same thing. Like, after games, just be on a bed for about three days. And I was like, yeah, that's great, but it doesn't really help me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play. I was kept going back there for rehab. And then there was a new physio. And he didn't want me there. I didn't want to be there, but I was like, you've got a duty of care. Um, mm. Eventually, look, going to give you injections. Hopefully, it'll sort you out. And luckily, it did. It's a short-term thing. It's not a great thing to have, especially when I was young, but anything to help. And then, yeah, I went back to Basingstoke because I think I went alone there when I was about 17, 18. And yeah. then I went there for sort of the second half of the season, played, then played a trial game at Kettering Town randomly and ended up getting a trial at Tamworth who were in the National League at the time. Um, I went on about three loans there. Every loan was decent, and I kept getting called back, but never played. Um, and then at the end of the season, I went on loan to Bourne Wood, which was closer to home. I was back home. Um, and they offered me an, a new new contract in the Conference South. I thought, yeah, just go and play. Uh, just enjoy football, because I'd, I'd been in and out of teams, not really playing. And as a young defender, especially centre-half, all I used to hear was like, you're not experienced enough, you're young, you don't really get many young central defenders. It's kind of the case still now a bit. You do get a few young ones that come through, but in that position, it's hard. I played fullback a few times, but weren't my best position. And then, yeah, I think I spent four years at Bournemouth. Obviously, we That's got... right, yeah, four years, yeah. And then they had the transition, didn't they, from part-time to, yeah, to so full-time. We... 
But you were you a bit concerned about your knee and that when you went from playing once, once or twice a week, training a couple of times a week to then full-time training again? I don't know. At Tamworth, at Tamworth we were full-time. And I, I remember I wasn't too bad. I remember getting sort of getting through that. But then I was going on loan and then it was part-time training. So it wasn't, I guess I kind of got away with it a bit. Um, but then at the time I got a gy- working in the gym as a personal trainer alongside football because... I remember I went to went to the job centre because I wanted another job. And it was like, what experience have you got? And I was like, I've played football. And they was like, okay, let me see if there's any jobs on here for footballers at the job centre. Yeah. And she was like, there's nothing on here. I was like, I didn't think there would be. <laughs> she was like, what else do you like? I was like, I don't know, I like clothes. And then she was like, have you got any experience working in a clothes shop? And I said, well, no, I've just played football. <laughs> and she was like, oh, they're looking for some of experience. And basically, there was a job in a factory she was like, have you got any like work boots? And I was like, I've got football boots. <laughs> she was like, you're going to need some steel toe caps. I said, how much are they? She said, I don't know, about 60 quid. And I was like, I'm not spending 60 quid to work somewhere that I don't want to do. So I ended up doing personal training. It worked out wicked. Like, I worked in the gym and it helped me to build up my strength and my legs and that. And kind of, so the transition was okay, really. Um, but yeah, that was great, great times there. Captain into promotion was like obviously proud moment. Um, at quite a young age, looking back, uh, we stayed up that next year in the national league again with pretty much a whole new squad. Um, and we had, I think, there's like the fifth best defense in the league, which you know, with Bourne Wood, the defense is always solid. Yeah, it hasn't changed, does it? Yeah, so we just and we didn't, we I think we were one of the lowest scorers, but we stayed up, which was amazing. Was that still under Luke Garrard then, or was that just before yeah, his time? Over. He took over, yeah. Um, so I played with Luke and then he was sort of player coach, and then I was under him as manager as well. So I've kind of was there for the transition of that. Um, and then left at the end of the season. Um, I just kind of wanted to go to a not a more competitive club, but I think there were three mornings a week. Obviously, it was that transition. Um, and maybe get out of my comfort zone a bit as well. Um, I didn't have anything lined up. And I said to them, kind of, they offered me a new deal. And I just said, like, I think I'm worth more. But at the same time, I didn't want it to get, like, messy or anything. Like, I had a good relationship with them. And it was it was pretty sound the way I left. Um, and then I ended up going... I spoke to... Um, Gary, our talking manager, Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson, yeah. He was at Cheltenham at the time. They just won the league. Mm. And I remember at home, I played really well against them. We drew nil-nil. They were battering everyone. Couldn't score against us. Um, And then, yeah, so he, an agent rang me about that. Um, Because I worked in the gym, I thought someone was cold calling me at first. I didn't hear what he said. Then I thought it was one of my mates winding me up. And I was like, who is this? And he said, like, it was an agent. He said, Gary Johnson. And I said, I didn't realise. I goes, who's Gary Johnson? And he was like the Cheltenham manager. Uh-huh. And I said, anyway, so I went to meet him. And he, he said he wanted to sign me. But he was basically, they were waiting on Rob Dickey to go back on loan. And if they didn't get him, they'd get me, which was yeah. fine. I knew where I stood. But it got later and later, pre-season started. Um, and got a phone call to go down to Aldershot. Um, Gary Waddock was there. I didn't know him at the time, but I had an agent who helped me to go down there. And they offered me a deal. I enjoyed it. The setup was good. Um, and yeah, again, I took over as captain there, which was obviously an honour. Um, and we had a great two years, to be fair. Um, it's just a shame we come up against Tranmere. <laughs> um, in the first year, especially. And in the second year, lost on penalties to Ebsfleet in the playoffs, which was just like 
that was gutting. Um, and then, yeah, the club kind of wanted to make a few changes there. And so I moved on and ended up coming to Barnet. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to that. Relegated club. Uh, <laughs> was a massive factor in that. Like, I'd spoke to Daryl McMahon at Ebbsfleet. Um, I'd actually agreed to go there, but they didn't sort out the paperwork. I went on holiday. And when I was on holiday, my agent rang me and said, John Steele wants to sign you. And I was like, it was a bit surreal. I was in Bali at the time. John Steele was in China trying to call in me. <laughs> Uh, Daryl, I think, was in Dubai on his holiday trying to get hold of me. Could, it was... could, could you imagine that Zoom call with what you could have had in the background between the Honestly, three of you? I had to say to my agent, I said, he's going to have to ring me like in the mornings because, like, I was there my missus, we were younger. I said, like, in the evening time, I'm probably going to be out like having a drink. So tell him to call me at a suitable time. Um, so yeah, ended up going. Um, and it's probably the worst start. Well, if we get on to Barnet later, but yeah. Yeah. I had two years there and we had a great set of lads to be fair especially I think we got a bit close to second year got rid of some other lads that had, hadn't worked out for and then COVID kind of messed that one up um, and then I finally ended up going meeting uh, signing with Daryl um, at Dagenham uh, and again first year that was that was rubbish again it was still coming out of COVID Um Second year was better, but again, we definitely underachieved with the players that we had, um, squad we had. Um, and then randomly, <laughs> I got a message on Instagram. Um, I'd spoke to a few other clubs, but I, I actually had a, a good offer from Eastley. Um, but my missus, I just found out she was pregnant with the second one at the time. And I didn't really want to move. She'd already moved down from Nottingham. And I didn't really want to move the family there, especially having a new kid and isolating her but I didn't have anything else and uh the physio at Bromley messaged me on Instagram who was my physio at Tamworth like years ago okay yeah asking about another player and I, I kind of just said like yeah he's a good like good player and that and I said like do you need a really good defender as a bit of tongue-in-cheek and he was mm. like, like we might do that was I think on a Friday and then on the Monday or Tuesday I went down to Bromley uh to meet him and I signed my new deal the following Friday so Strange how it worked out. Um, but yeah, last year was brilliant. Um, great changing room, which I think goes a long way um, because the ability of this league, apart from the top teams last year, um, there's not much in it really. And mm. that can take a long way, which it did. And again, ended in, it just wasn't meant to be. I think on the day, if you like the things that you need to go for you in a bit of luck, we just didn't have. Um but looking back, it was definitely a proud achievement for for the team last year to get that far and make history again for the club, taking them further than they'd ever been before. That's right, yeah. We'll go on to all of that in a, in a bit more detail in a minute. When you were at Borehamwood and then you moved down to Aldershot, where were you sort of living at the time? Were you more Borehamwoody kind of way? Yeah, so homes, homes, I was born in Luton. Yeah. I'd moved back home with, um, with my mum. So, yeah, I was just living there. And then when I went to Aldershot, I stayed in... Stayed with a couple down there, um, randomly. I tried. To, one of the lads said he had a spare room, and then he said his dad wanted to hire out a room to a woman. So I was like, all right, fair enough. And he said, I want you to speak to a guy called Mark Butler. He said, speak to Butts. And I was like, I hadn't met him. I said, all right, give him a shout. But he weren't sure. He'd had someone stay there before. He was a bit dodgy. Sometimes didn't pay him and that, and left on a bit of a bad note. Um, so he said, look, come down, stay for a week, see how you get on. Um, ended up living with him for two years. Um, I had a brilliant time and they're kind of like family now. So 
Um, yeah, that was amazing because commuting there, Dan ran the M25 past Heathrow and the M3 just... I know it well. <laughs> not, yeah, it's not ideal. Um, so, yeah, that was good. And then, yeah, moving to Barnet allowed me to move back home. Uh, my partner, who's from Nottingham, she moved down... Um, she moved in with me, which was nice for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, we're still based here. We managed to buy a house a couple of years ago and I got two kids. So yeah, uh, come, come, come a long way. It's worked nicely. Um, speaking to Scott Lowe, is a big part often than that. I mean, he said to me that like the most time really that a pro wants to be sitting in a car going to training or to match or whatever is around about two hours. And being that a goalkeeper, obviously, and he, and, he, and he won't thank me for saying a goalkeeper moves less and does a bit less than what, a, uh, you know, an outfield player does on the pitch and that. How does that sort of thing affect, you know, affect you, especially if, say, like, for example, like you say, going around the M25, you get stuck in a traffic jam on the way to training or it cuts it a bit fine going to, you know, going to matches. Do you, do you find that trying to live that close to the club you're at makes it that, you know, so much easier? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's something that Paul Hart kind of drummed into me about being professional, like moving and living where you're going to play, which is something that I tried to take with me through most of my career. Because it, de- it definitely does affect you. I don't care what anyone says, especially if you're driving. Uh, even driving to Barnet from Hitchin, it's not far, but mm. A1, and then once you get past like the roundabout at the end of the M1, it can take you just as long as it took me to get there to get finally to the to the hive and like mentally that used to do me in because like all the short I was ten minutes away mm. like, and some days I'm leaving I'm, it's taking me like hour and a half hour and forty five minutes and I know it's like a half forty minute journey um and yeah I don't know how Lochi done it for two years driving <laughs> where he lives um and to perform that way because I, I definitely mm. have done it. But it does. But then I guess I don't. It depends. Depends what what your family situation is, um, and what other offers you have. If you haven't got anything else, sometimes you haven't got really got a choice than to travel. Um, which do you is do quite a bit of car sharing that sort of thing as well, sharing the driving. Yeah, with lads, yeah, with lads that live. Once you get into a club, you find out where lads live and stuff. Um, and yeah, if you get a car school, it helps to share the journeys, which you did at Dagenham. We did at Barnet, to be fair. It was me, Sparksy, uh, Elliot Johnson, and Lochi. Um, and then I did it again at Dagenham. Um, but the best thing about Bromley is I can get the train there. I live by the train station here. Perfect. Um, it's about an hour and 20 minutes. I can chill out on the train. I can read. I could do a bit of work, whatever. Um, I have a sleep on the way home because I try and recover. And I've got two kids. I don't get the afternoon nap anymore. No, and, and young kids at that as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, and just mentally, I can relax. I mean, if a train's delayed, what can you do? Like, if you're stuck in a, like, in a car, when you're in traffic, it just feels like the walls are closing in. Like, it, I just, it just stresses me out. So this year, I've just... I felt amazing. I think just because of not driving. Like after train, I have that time to relax. Um, like I said, have a little sleep on the train. Um, and I've just started working on a business which is like helps to recovery, really. Um, using machines called Normatex. Every night I get them on my legs. It's like a massage. I was going to ask you about that a bit later as well. Yeah, because yeah, obviously uh, I see it on Instagram. Um and obviously I'm not getting any younger, but I, like, I'm professional in what I do. I look after myself and it just allows me to obviously get the most out of most out of, out of my body um, that I can. So, yeah, this has been the first time I've ever commuted by train, but it's probably been the most 
some days it's long, don't get me wrong, but it's the probably the least stressful, apart from when you're living 10 minutes away in a car, um, commute that I've had really for the last five, four, five years. Okay. So moving on to Barnet, obviously John still phones. Uh, I take it he wasn't at Luton when you were there. Nah, he wasn't there, no. So he'd have been just after probably then. Yeah. yeah. So obviously most people know John's pedigree. Um, and everywhere he's been, what he's done. I'm, I, I knew of him back in 1988, so literally the year before you were born. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he took Maid, when he took Maidstone up, so I've known known of him a, quite a long time. Obviously, he's had what three spells at Barnet. So obviously, like some of John's, someone like John Stillphones, it's a sort of quite, it's the sort of thing. I suppose you think, blimey, you know, he's non-league royalty. I suppose you would call it similar to someone yeah. like Peter Taylor. Um, so, so when he calls and says, I want to sign you, is it an absolute no-brainer or or is it, you know? This is, this is where I was caught in a bit of, like, obviously I knew I knew John Steele's style, like, um, but he was a winner. And obviously mm. I wanted to, to be successful. Um, so actually I was in, yeah, I was in Bali and I, I, spoke, I just spoke to people that had played for him before. Um and people that have been at Barnet as well, because I remember in the January before I joined Barnet, my agent said, look, do you want to go there? And it was League 2 at the time, obviously, like, I think they're struggling in the league. We were, yeah. And I knew a couple of characters there that weren't great for the changing room. Um, and I was in a great environment. And I said, no, I said, look, I I want to try and get Aldershot promoted. Um, and... But yeah, like you said, I spoke to some people that have been at been at Barnet, um, but then people that have played under John Steele as well. So Luke Howe was a good friend of mine. He played with him at Dagenham before. And Jake Cole, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, Jake, yeah. Obviously. And he kind of, they kind of said what I knew before. Um, and it was a tough one because I like to try and play football if I can. I like that kind of style. I knew Daryl McMahon teams like to play that way. Mm. Um but like you said, John Steele coming in. Um, and I remember the final phone call. He said, um, he's like, oh, I weren't going to say this to you join, but um, I want you to be captain as well. And I was buzzing. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, let's do it then. Like, that's where I want to go. Um, and yeah, obviously went in there and had the worst possible start. Like, I fractured my spine. I was going to say, you got injured, didn't you, quite early on? Yeah, it was terrible. It was it was one of the last preseason games against Ipswich, I think. And I fall I thought I fell on my back and like obviously like you hit the deck in football quite a bit, but this was like it knocked the wind out and I, it was painful. And on the Monday, like I said to physio on the Sunday, I said like I'm not in a good way here. And on the Monday I come in and I had a look, but I could still move, but I was in pain. He said you might actually mm. be stiff where you landed, like go and train. Or try and train so you get on. And as soon as I started jogging, it was just like no way. So yeah, had a had an MRI and yeah, I cracked a bone in my lower back, and that's like it was just horrendous. I was out for probably three months, but that mm. whole first year, I weren't really. Like, I come back from it, but when you got, I could, you can't do anything in the gym. So when I come back, like my legs were weak, my upper body was weak, and although I was playing, like I weren't fit. And I think you could probably see that if you look back at performances in that first year. And as a team as well, I think a bit of like, a bit of an identity crisis, if you like. John Stills yeah. kind of in his career and 
not that he took a step step back, but like Darren and Junior were quite hands on with it and signed a lot of new players and it just it didn't really work. So it just happens sometimes. Um, but I had a good summer, come back second year, and I feel like it was a lot more consistent. Although saying that, towards the end of the first season, I think we kept like eight clean sheets in a row. Yes, and then we went to Maidstone and lost two one in the end, where we probably should have won as well because Mark Cousins saved the penalty when we were one 0 yeah, up. That's what time. I thought. I thought, I thought yeah. like we we're never going to let a goal in, and then when he yeah. saved the pen as well, I thought, yeah, this is another game we're going to just. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the second year, I think. Um, Obviously, the star when Darren took over, he had a clear way he wanted to play. And I think we were amazing. We had some ledge players. Um, obviously, R- Ricardo was mm, yeah, amazing. Um, but he was, he's obviously flying now. Um, and we just had, yeah, like we had young players. We had Efron, we had Jack, uh, Taylor, obviously doing amazing. Um, Both of them, yeah. And just the way we played the system, we had wing backs. I think Dave Tatunde, our left wing back, suited him to a T. And um, Shay at right back or yeah. right wing back, yeah. And and then yeah, it was just it was good. It was enjoyable. It was probably enjoyable to watch. Even at one point, it was the worst pitch I've ever played on. Yeah, <laughs> we played filed, and we were on fire. We were just on form. Oh, they that was a BT game, wasn't it? Uh, we beat two one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Sim scored late. Yeah. And, no, sorry. There's another game we played. Harrogate got postponed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They come down and we thought we're on form anyway. We're gonna batter him, but they scored after like a minute. And I'm go- we're all going to the ref now. We got to cancel. This game's got to be off. Like this is dangerous. Carried on playing. I think we equalised and it started raining more. And he called it off at half time. Mm, uh, yeah, during the state of the pitch, we actually played some good stuff that year. Then COVID come and just killed it really. Um, Obviously, the chairman did what he had to do. He looked after his businesses, which, as I get older and I understand, um, like you got you got to do, you got to protect. You can't just carry on going. Um, but as sort of captain, I I kind of stood stood with and stood up for the players. I weren't kind of going against him, but we all got put on furlough, and I was like, look, like lads, have got families here and there. It's just straight away. There's no like I might be able to top you. There was topping up or helping out and stuff. Um, but it, it was what it was. Um, then by the points per game, however it was, we got into the playoffs. Um, and I wanted to play. I really wanted to play, but the club, basically, the club said, look, even if you get promoted, you're not getting another deal. Um, and and I was like, I need to think like what's right for my like so if mm. I got into one of them games yeah I'm screwed basically got no, had no future didn't have another club lined up obviously COVID people didn't know what was going on um I know a few other lads obviously had other things that they'd already had sorted um so they didn't play um we'll pause that there Cal and we'll go back just we'll, we'll come to that a bit in a minute we'll go back to the to the first year I've noticed a lot um Especially probably the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years that Just if you miss yes, right. yeah, um, if if you miss pre-season, it never used to make that much of a difference. You'd make the fitness up through the year and it, it wouldn't show any performances. But so definitely the last ten to fifteen years, if you miss that pre-season and then you try kicking on sort of October, November time, it really shows that you're that much behind everyone else. Definitely. And you know what? I, le- I learned the hard way. Um, 
but thankfully I learned in my first year. So when I went to to Portsmouth, mm. my first year at Rushton, which was amazing, um, was super fit. Like we used to run all, all the time every week. Um, and in the summer, because some of the players that were there, they were taught like obviously it's a bit older, end of their careers. It was a different time. And I just thought summertime was like, you just let loose. You know what I mean? Like, this is your time to relax. You work hard and then you get fit in pre-season. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I went on the first lads holiday, went to Magaluf, uh, as you do. <laughs> um, and I just like, yeah, I just enjoyed my summer really. Like I was, I was young. I was obviously 17. Um, but I just, I just relaxed. I thought that's what you do. And then I was up going Portsmouth and, and I just remember turning up. I was looking, I was fat. I was, I couldn't do one pull up in the gym. Like your lads are banging them out there. And I'm like, and I realized like, Jesus, obviously that's another level. Cause it was mm, yeah. I realized then that you can't afford to just, you can't afford to have a bad summer. Like it's, and you're playing, yeah, like I said, you're playing catch up. Um, and yeah, obviously in that first year, um that injury just like and because at the time I thought oh, I'll be back in like two months like it's not a problem um but yeah like looking back and reflecting on it I just I weren't strong I just didn't feel just didn't feel like things were clicking um for myself personally and for the team and which is frustrating but people don't know that they they just if you're on the pitch they think well, you're fit to play like why are you mm. not playing well or living up to yeah. Standards you have, um, but it's tough. But unless, unless we get judged on what we do, sort of on a Saturday at three pm, ninety minutes, like people don't care. They pay to come and watch you. They don't care if like you've had a kid and you haven't slept all night or anything. Do you know what I mean? It, that's the reality of it. Um, but yeah, it was just and it's just frustrating, especially when you're going to a new club. You want to start well and get off on a good start. Um, and as captain, I just felt like. Ugh, I don't like to speak if I'm not doing my job mm. too much. Like yeah. I want to, I want to lead, but I want to lead by example as well. So I'm not going to go around and shouting at boys when the team ain't doing well and stuff because I didn't even, I didn't even play the game. So I'm like I need to gain a respect first through performances, really. Uh, which again, it, was, it just made it tough. Uh, it was a tough situation, and then obviously the manager changed. Um, which happens is is football. Do you know what I mean? It does happen. Um, but yeah, it is a shame. I just wish I'd played for John Steele probably like 10, 15 years earlier. Mm. Um, but listen, it's it's one of them things. Um, but yeah, after a good pre-season with Daz and Junior and sort of a different identity because they had their way of playing and the boys bought into it. And like I said, we had some ledge play. Like, look at Sweens. He's gone on to smashing mm. Surprised. I'm, I'm surprised he got let go from Forest Green. Um, but he's gone on another level. If you look at some of the boys in that, they've gone on to like League One Championship um standard, which shows shows like the level of team we had. And I think second year we started to show a lot more of that before obviously the season got cut short. Can't finish on that first season though without mentioning Balloon Gate. Which yeah. obviously went on. Um, obviously, we had a little chat beforehand about, like, you know, I'm, if you want to talk about it, great. If not, I'm really not fussed. But I know, I know, it's one thing a lot of the Barnet fans are going to be listening for, and that I yeah. caught some of it. Didn't really quite see all of it, I think. Um, and then obviously, Craig Robson then left the club. Um, 
fill in as much as you want, as much as you're allowed to say or all of it, entirely up to you. Yeah, but... it's not like, it's mad because the story was like mental. I don't know how I ended up in the middle of it. Um, I think it was the Instagram pictures. You, I can't remember who put them up. Whether it, I think it was Craig, actually. Video, you were in the pictures. Video. So someone had screenshotted videos. And I remember it was me, it was uh, me, him and Sweens were in a room together. End of the night, Sweeney's in, <laughs> Sweeney's in the toilet being sick. I'm being sick in the sink. Um, and there's a balloon on the side of the sink. Um, so like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even holding it. And I've never, I've never apologised for it because I've, I've never, I didn't actually do anything. But from the screenshot, it's like, I don't know what, how they've gathered that. They think that I was doing them. Um, and yeah, it just blew, it went mental. It like, actually went mental. Um, obviously, Craig put the video up and everyone was like, take it down. But he was like, why? Like, I don't, like, what's the point? Obviously, some young lads in that, like, we had, it was a team night out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... And yeah, it's kind of stuck since then, really. I'd understand if there was a picture or a video of me doing it, but like I was actually on my like my head was down in the sink, and this balloon was on the side. Um, I'm not gonna lie, obviously, like some lads were doing it, um, but it's not something that I've ever done, or don't even I don't see the point in it really. Um, but yeah, just it's just always it's always stuck, and I feel like I was it felt like I was the main kind of culprit in oh, it. yeah the scapegoat for it yeah and like it, it's it's one of them things like obviously as footballers we have responsibility um and like robo robo doesn't really see that side of it like I said, mm. it's not if i'm putting stuff up as well i can i can kind of accept it a bit more um but yeah that's why i never really like obviously young lads are like they're gonna go out and do stuff but don't be stupid and put it online like he did um but because I weren't actually doing it, that's why I've never. If if I'd have messed up, mm. I'd have been like, "Look, hold my hands up." It's been stupid or whatever, irresponsible. Um, but I never felt the need to apologise because I wasn't doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's always been. Obviously, I get some fans on Twitter. Uh, not so much <laughs> anymore, but uh, yeah, it's like what I'm known for. But it's just one of them things, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But right, moving on from that, let's go on to the second season and. I mean, I think when when um, when you guys first signed for for Barnet, yourself, people like Dan Sparks, um, who actually John Brancos, obviously Shay Alexander, and people like that as well. You know, from from what I saw, it was like great. We've signed some proven National League defenders, some good ones at that as well. And through the through the spine of the team, there were one or two that were a bit, you know, why have we got them coming in and that? Um, so so there was a base of a good side there, and then when Daz and Junior come to that summer, they just tweaked it, I think, a little bit and just added that extra couple of bits to it. But even then, it took took about three months, didn't it, to click? I think when we played Ebsfleet at home on a Tuesday night in about November and we walloped them 5-2, all of a sudden we just went flying. Was it just a case of all the, the cogs were all there and it was getting them in the right order to make it spin and work? Yeah, I remember that game. Josh Walker scored an unreal solo. Oh, beauty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Jack Taylor scored an absolute peach from about 30 yards out as well. I've seen both of them do that a lot mm. of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, like thinking back, obviously we beat Sheffield United in the FA Cup, which was yep. unreal. Like away from home, that was a year that I think they won the champ as well. Mm. And then to draw at home with Brentford, like 3-3. Free, free, uh, that, that Sparksy free kick. Yeah, the Sparksy free mm. kick. 
And then was it Ben Rahm? Did he di- he dived as well for the pen? Uh, Ollie Watkins. Oh, Watkins, sorry, Ollie yes. Watkins, yeah. Watkins, And then we oh, took. Uh, yeah, there's a few on Twitter that 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 don't let him forget that either. Whenever he scores for Villa. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, obviously, we had some great highlights in that first year, but yeah, second year definitely. I remember it did. It just clicked. Mm. Uh, luckily, does had enough time to do that. Uh, some managers don't, and sometimes it just doesn't click. Like I said, that first year, it just it didn't really click. But yeah, I feel like. I feel like, yeah, players were kind of playing at a good level. Um, and, yeah, just come together. Like I said, we had that back three. It was me, Ricardo, Elliot Johnson. Mm. Um, we brought Lochi in as well. I think it was a great addition, not just to the team, but the change room as well. Yeah. Like, he's a top man. Um, like, Jack was flying. Obviously, gutted we had to sell him, but it's like no one's going to hold him back. Um and yeah, just it just seems a click, and because we, we used to work on it, on how we played like every day, and like obviously I'm a bit older, and I'd heard about a different start. Like I'm a Chelsea supporter for my sins this year. <laughs> well, I'm Spurs, other than Barnet, so yeah. Um, and when I was younger, I used to have a season ticket, and I went before with the money and that, and we had like players coming in like Hullet. We had a lot of foreign players. Mm. I saw different styles. Viali took over as manager, and. And I'd heard about obviously Italians, the greater defending, but it's just repetitive. And people say it's boring, but it's not because that's what gets your result. Doing the boring stuff well is what you like. You're gonna have some players that can win you matches, but if you do the basics well, you're gonna mm. you're gonna have a good like foundation. And we did that. We just worked on the basics and what you wanted every day. And then it yeah, it started to show on the pitch, which is where you obviously want it to happen. Um and yeah, it was just a good time. I think, yeah, like I said as well, players coming back to sort of full fitness, um, mixed in with a probably a good bit of youth and experience in the team. Um, and a few players that sort of peak ages or peak form, if you like. Um, and yeah, it's just a shame that this season kind of did get cut short. Mm. Well, I mean I mean, when we played Woke in a way that Tuesday, which is the last game we played, I think we have one one defeat in seventeen. Obviously, we had all those games in hand. I mean, my honest thought was the way the momentum was going, regardless of the points per game that we got in anyway, I think we would have easily have done it anyway because that night as well was almost the perfect performance, wasn't it? In the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... um, Yeah, I remember it. I remember I was injured for that one. I I just missed it. I got... I'd played with... um, like my hamstring had been sore for a few games and I kept playing. And the last game I'd done it was Bournemouth Wood when I scored. Scored a worldie against them. And then I got um, split. My head got split open and I basically had concussion and my hamstring was killing anyway. So I missed a couple of games with the concussion and then the season kind of got stopped. And then when I went for a scan, it was like, oh, you, like, your hamstring's done as well. But we weren't playing, so it wasn't really an issue. But yeah, I remember watching it. I think we played Stockport away just before as well got a draw there which I think was a was a big well obviously it was mm. a big result in the end and then yeah the Woking win and it just like you you kind of know when you have that feeling in the camp like you said the form we were on um, the unbeaten form and things were working for you um, a bit like the run that we had at Bromley this year I think from the turn of Christmas we maybe lost two or three games mm. yeah, yeah a really good run a couple of good unbeaten runs the first one probably too many draws but again, you're still picking up points, staying in the mix, and then 
I forgot where we were now with that. Um, we were on the second season, weren't we? Yeah, just the momentum and everything. Um, yeah, just the, like you said, that form picking up. Um, and again, a sort of similar thing with Bromley this year. We finished really strong. Um, probably had the form going into the playoffs and the belief, which is massive. Um, but yeah, the playoffs, it's obviously, it's it's a bit, it's a cruel, it's a cruel it's a lottery, way. isn't it? It is, it is. And we went to Woking. Um, obviously, if we'd have won last day, we... You'd have played us, wouldn't you? You'd yeah, we'd have yeah. on the Tuesday night. Um, but we ended up drawing, obviously, Bournemouth won. Um, so we had an extra day recovery, but I feel like Woking was a probably a harder place to go in terms mm. of defensively. Yeah. Like, they've been, and physically, they've been... Like very good this season, and we got we got battered when we went. I say we got battered physically. We kind of got we got beaten up when we went there earlier in the season, and like it it didn't stick in my head. But I thought like we're gonna have to match them there, and we're gonna have to be better with the ball if we're gonna beat them. Um, but they had a few injuries. Um, and I think on the night we deserved to win, um, and that was a big boost, like mentally as well. I think for the boys, and then Chesterfield was. Yeah, just didn't get the, the things that you need to go your way, especially in big games and sort of, I say tight games. I mean, it finished 3-2, so I don't know how tight, how tight of a game it was. But when you have an own goal and a red card and then the second goal with deflections hit off the geezer's back, he didn't know anything about it. And then the last goal, like you give it away on the edge of your box, like silly mistakes, they're kind of, you can't afford, especially against a team like Chesterfield. And again, I think if we'd have played you and made them mistakes, we'd have been punished with mm-hmm. the form and the goal scoring that you've had this season as well. And just, yeah, little details. I thought the 99th minute equaliser, it was just, it was meant to be for us. I thought just get yeah. to and like the football gods and just look after whatever, whatever happens, happens. Unfortunately, no, we didn't, didn't get to get there, which was a shame. Um, and then you saw the finals. Well, the semi-final, Notts County and Bournemouth was cruel. Mm, yeah. And same in the final, late equaliser, two goals in extra time, and then penalties, is, it's just one of them things. Um, but I don't think them two clubs going up is going to help with the three up, three down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It may do, it may not. I think it may strengthen the case. I think, I think like for that, yeah, like it's because they've both gone up and stuff, but I feel with Wrexham, especially with the pool they've got and the power and the money, I think if they didn't go up, it would have been better for the league, the chances of them changing it to free up, free down. But the way it's gone, listen, they were the two best teams by far. Doesn't always work out, but it's um they both deserve to get promoted, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just go back two last points on that second second season you had at Barnet as well now. If I'm right, you guys have all still got a WhatsApp group going, haven't you? And no one's left it. Am I right? You are right in saying that. Yeah. 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 We still got, um, still chipping every now and again with a message and that. It's not as lively as it used to be. No. Yeah. But some nights Scott said it does, it, it does just go and it goes bang. Yeah. 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 When, when people are active online, it, yeah. It's, um, but yeah, it was a good, it's a good group of lads and you do get, it's hard to find a good change of room in football. Um, but when you do, like I've had, I've been lucky when I was at Bournemouth to be promoted with them boys. We're still in contact. I'm still best mates with a goalkeeper. 
Um, it's funny when I was younger, everyone says goalkeepers are weirdos, but as I've got older, <laughs> I seem to get on better with all of them. So maybe I'm a weirdo as well. But um... <laughs> maybe you missed your vocation. You should have been a keeper. I don't know about that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, yeah, normally you kind of leave a club or whatever and like someone kicks you out of the WhatsApp group or whatever. Mm. They all stay, stay together. I still speak to quite a few of the boys. Obviously I'm good friends with Elliot. I was with him today, actually. Um, we get on well. Um, obviously we both got like a couple of kids now that like, our missus get on. Um, going up to Nottingham next week. Like I said, I'm going to see Lochi as well. Yeah, yeah which is nice um and i'm to be fair i messaged jack taylor and efron before the first leg of their game the other week to wish them good luck um i didn't before the second maybe i should have but i thought <laughs> i thought it would be enough obviously yeah. that, was, that was again that cruel cruel game yeah game i haven't spoke to him since uh but i spoke to sweeney today um has he got his legging plaster saw on Insta? Yeah, he just had an operation on his knee. Um, but he played every, apart from the last game, he played every single game last season for Stevenage, which is massive. And he said mm. he was playing with an injury. So he should be back probably for the start of the season. But again, he's been immense. Um, so yeah, I speak to him. So yeah, all the boys and that, like Joshua Walk, obviously he come, a few lads obviously ended up coming to Dagenham. Yeah. He got his move, I think, which he deserves. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. To Burton. Um, and I think it's easier now with social media, mm. you know, like Instagram and stuff. You can see, like, I've seen he's been in Brazil and that. So, like... Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. All, like, sending him little messages and that when he's on the beach and that. So, like, them mm. little things, it makes it easy to keep in contact. Whereas I can imagine before, before WhatsApp and that, like, if you ain't got someone's number or you don't make the effort to call them... yeah. Like, can get lost quite easily. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, saying that though, I mean, Scott's been gone what three, four years from Barnet, three years, I think. Years now, yeah. Yeah. Um. Every every now and then, well, uh, we we don't talk all the time, but quite fairly regularly in that. But every now and then, I mean, like I think when we signed Ben Winter in the summer, yeah. um, I I like, just picked up my phone. I've missed a call for him, thinking, what's he calling me for? And then he's uh, and then he's phoned me and he's gone Barnet, mate. And I went, yeah. He went Ben Winter. He said that's a signing. And uh, he turned around, he said, you and Woking will be the dark horses this year. This was back in August. So he yeah. went far wrong, was he? No, no, not you at all. Know, as he goes. But, you know, like I say, three years away from from Barnet, yet he's still watching out for the result, picking up the, you know, the phone to one or two of us every now and then. I know he still speaks to Daz quite often as well. But like you said, yeah. it's not easy probably to get that really close-knit bunches like you've got in that group, you know, where no one's gone from it. No, definitely. Yeah, like I said, normally in WhatsApp groups, you're breaking up pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, players leave and stuff. But no, it's the same. Um, always looking out for Barnet results. Always look out for ex-club results, really. Like, I don't have no hard feelings about Barnet. I know some of the fans like to give me stick in that. And to be fair, I don't mind giving it back and having a bit of banter. I've noticed. <laughs> Just, just to enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, it's a game. Um, and I, I like, I don't want to sound like sort of pity, but I, I do feel for the fans because I, I remember playing at Underhill. It wasn't even Barnet. Arsenal Reserves played there. Mm. Um, I just remember being a proper grounder and I was in Barnet. Um, and then, like, when I, when I signed and I learned a bit more about the club and I was like, this is the, like, the grounds, it's, it's a class ground. Like, 
there's no two ways about it. It's a league grounds, and I think like why are the fans like they don't. There's not many fans come. I remember a lot of Barnet fans would go to Barnet. Um, and kind of the more I learned about it, and they're taking it out of Barnet, which is like it's just going to be hard for anyone. Mm. And and that kind of connection between the club and the fans is just never. Obviously, when the team's doing well, it helps. Um, and I feel like the times I've been back there, especially this year, the support's been good. Not that it was bad when I was there, but when you've been relegated, yeah, you've had a year of probably watching shit. Bad results, like it's not a good time. Then the next year, you're expecting to bounce back because you're the league club, and it's not happened. So I understand completely. Like same thing, I went to Luton. It's nil nil half time. You're getting booed off that corner where you go off, and I'm like, sometimes I was like, we're supposed to be at home here. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah, you've you've been moved as well. Like you're paying to watch this, and you're like, sometimes you think like, what what am I doing? What am I getting? Like these boys, the people don't care in that. Um, so like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tricky one. Like the chairman's the chairman. I've never, it's funny. I spoke to him and I signed, I met him and he said, nice to meet you, Shay. And I was like, <laughs> I'm Callum. And I never had any other, apart from when Kobe come, we exchanged a few emails and stuff. I never, I never spoke to him. And I feel like for whatever reason, um, he don't really like me. <laughs> um, and from speaking to other people, it's kind of true. But yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a strange one, really. Um, but listen, he he owns the club. He's the chairman, so like he's gonna have, he's gonna have the 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 final say at the end Absolutely, of the day. Absolutely, yeah. Just uh, just one just one last bit on the on that season as well. Um, obviously you, you mentioned earlier you were going to be out of contract into the season. They weren't going to offer you a new deal. Were there a few of the other guys in the same situation as well as you at that so point? I know, yeah, I know a couple of lads definitely had other stuff lined up. So I think, I don't know whether their clubs had sort of said, look, I don't want you to play in case you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a couple other lads were. And also financially, I... It was like, oh, if you come back, obviously you'll get paid your full wages. And I was a bit like... I've not just sat on my ass for these three months waiting around, like doing nothing. Like I used to set up again, like when I used to work in the gym. So I, I kept fit as fit as I could without a gym. Um, but I, I used to put in the group, I used to do zoom basically workouts and that with the boys. Cause I was like, look, we need to, cause you didn't know every, every day was a different story. It was like, yeah. the season's on is cancelled. So I was like, lads, we need to keep fixed. If we come back in that, we're not fit. Like, we've got no chance. So, like, I used to do sessions with the boys, like me, Lochi and Elliot. We used to do, like, nearly every day. We'd be on there, like, doing extra stuff. Um, yeah, because I cared. And I wanted, obviously, I, even if there was a smart, slight chance we'll have the playoffs, I thought we need to give ourselves the best chance. Yeah. Get um, and, yeah, I just, like, I'll be honest. I just said I feel like I should be paid what my contract's like what I'm owed basically like you stuck us on furlough you want us to come back to finish off a job but you didn't want to pay us when we weren't playing and I said they said look you're not going to give me a contract either way if we get promoted or not yeah so again I need to I need to look like I need to look after myself really again if if I'd have suffered an injury in the playoffs it's not like I don't have insurance like a Premier League player I'm not going to get paid out millions and stuff um 
So yeah, that was that was hard because obviously I loved the boys and like Daz and Junior respected them massively. Um but I just said that that was a situation I was in. Um I said like if you pay me what I was owed, at least then I've got a bit of a bit of a cushion. Say I do get injured, I could probably live off them wages for like another sort of, I don't know, a few months at least until I get maybe something sorted. Um, but they they didn't they didn't want to do that, which again was fair enough. So like it wasn't an easy decision, um, but it was obviously a personal one that I had to make for myself. And when did Dagenham come calling? Was that sort of straight away, or was that a bit closer towards when it was all no, going to start? It wasn't, again? Yeah, because it didn't. I don't think pre-season started again. Sort of till September, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the season went October. I think it October started. started yeah. Yeah, so I had, um, I think, I think I don't know if he called me or he called my agent, um, and I'd spoken to a couple of other clubs, um, but they offered me the security of a two-year contract, which until I'd went to Barnet, I'd only signed one-year deals and stuff. Mm. Um, and coming out of COVID, it was like, yeah, absolutely. You've got to take it. Yeah. I wonder what was going to happen. Um, and it was, yeah, like it was kind of, I couldn't really turn it down, to be honest. Um, and plus, obviously, I wanted, wanted to work with Daryl anyway uh, from before when he was at Ebbsfleet. Um, and whenever I played at Dagenham, I felt like they should be doing better than what they were. But then when I grew up, they were League Two, League One. Yeah. I remember going to watch. I remember going to watch my mate play actually. Matt Ritchie went alone there. I remember going to watch there and I thought, like, yeah, like this is a proper club and that, like good supporters. Obviously, first year we didn't have any supporters because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. That was frustrating. Um and then yeah, it was just like this point in two years, like looking back on my career since the playoff and the promotion at Boreham Wood. Um, apart from the first year at Barnet, every year I'd been in the playoffs since then I went to Dagenham didn't get in and the second year we fell short again and I was like I, f- I saw it as a bit of a failure to be honest on my my part because I pride myself on what I do but also as what the team does um so kind of I feel I don't really know the word to use but um probably proud that we got into the playoffs again this year again like I guess another playoff push on my CV um, and yeah it's just like, I like to I like to I, I, I pride my own reputation on what I do do you know what I mean um, as long as I'm doing well I feel like if I'm doing well the team's doing well which sounds like it's probably the position that I play do you know what I mean in the mm. middle of the park um, I've always been a captain since I was a kid I was I'm a captain at all age groups so something that kind of comes naturally to kind of lead that way as well and I feel like I get the boys around me. I can have that influence. Um, but again, that only comes through me playing well. So the better I'm playing, the more influence I can have on the team. Um, and yeah, compared to some of the budgets in the league oh. this year, for us to get in there was, um, it was massive. It was massive. Um, so yeah, it was uh, definitely feel like, just to get back in the playoffs, I feel like it's an achievement. Do you know what I mean? Um Obviously, everyone wants to get promoted, but I don't know if you saw the other day after the NBA playoffs and a, one of the reporters said to the guy, 
well, you got another failed season. And he was like, out of all the teams that played, like we've got to the playoffs, we haven't won. And he said, as a reporter, do you get promoted every single year? And he was like, no. And he was like, so you can't say it was a failed year. No, no. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did a blog piece a few weeks ago, actually, like sort of saying, you know, what's what success for some people yeah. isn't isn't to another. Like where Barnet finished this year, there's nowhere near any of us were predicting. Um, I have Worthing to finish just outside the playoffs. They finished fourth in their first year in the South. And I had Cray, I think, in the bottom, no, sorry, in step three. Went from when it went went from staying up on the final day last year to finishing in the playoffs this year. So, you know, it's not it isn't always all about finishing the playoffs, winning promotion. You know, it's building as well as no, of course. And um, after the after the game, I went back to Nottingham with, with my missus and her mum in the car. And her mum, I remember her mum just said like, oh, "I bet you, I bet you wish you didn't even get in the playoffs. Like now, you just finished the season earlier." And I was like. No, not really. Because there's nothing worse as a player and as a fan of the club you support. Mm. Like coming to the end of the season with nothing to play for, yeah. it's just crap. Like it's crap as a player, it's crap as a supporter. And it's just so to actually get there in the first place is it's definitely something to be proud of. And like you said, obviously Barnet, even from like the seasons before, the improvements and finishing finishing strongly in the playoffs as well, uh comfortably. You got to you got to definitely look at it as um as a successful season as much as it feels like after losing in the playoffs like mm. it wasn't you definitely got to look at the bigger picture I think absolutely yeah so talk me through your recovery thing with your legs because all I see on Instagram apart from obviously you out playing with the kids and <laughs> and then everything is your legs in these like almost it's like like a black set of dungarees with no top half to it so yeah. what's it all about i get messages and we stick a lot and i get messages about like the michelin man and all this <laughs> uh but yeah they're called they're called normatex um and they feel it's like air compression so you know when you get your blood take like blood pressure taken yeah it was up with air but it does it through your feet uh like your, your ankles your calves your knees like all the way up your legs and it's like a massage um and it just helps with recovery, not just in sport. Um, like my, I gave a pair to my granddad to use. Like he's got, um, he takes blood filling tablets because he's got, because um, a problem with with his heart, um, and he gets swell, swollen legs. And because he's got the pacemaker, he can't use anything with sort of electrics and that. So yeah, and it's a safe room to use. It helps to it helps with poor circulation. Um, again, I delivered one today. One of the lads just had operation on his knee. Um, so you can use it for recovery, but it's not just sports. The original person who designed it was for post breast cancer patients. Okay, because I, I don't know if she was a doctor and she had it, and afterwards she was like, my legs just swollen, like and I, like to help with circulation. But like, say for pregnant women to use, like the scope of people to use, like anyone can use it. It doesn't have to be sporting people. Um, but I wanted to make it available to hire because it's an expensive bit of equipment. And I've been lucky in my career when I went to Portsmouth, like you see the top things, um, recoveries and gyms. And obviously in the non-league and lower leagues, like them things aren't available. Um, and I think if I'd have had better help throughout my career, I think it definitely would have helped me um, a lot more. So it's a service I want to bring to everyone, um, not just footballers. Like I had someone running the marathon the other week. Um, so for their training, they had one. 
um, and for after for recovery. Um, and there's also different programs on there. There's like an app that goes with it. Okay. Uh, there's a routine that's called sleep. It sleep helps you sleep better. And a lot of people struggle with sleep. Yeah. But again, it's only 25 minutes. You put it on before bed, but it's been programmed to scientifically the way the routine and the pressure that it puts on your feet and the different areas um, and it helps you sleep. So there's, there's, it's not just for sports, but yeah. So that's something I've been working on. Well, the last couple of years, lockdown kind of got me thinking about life after football. Um, that was going to be my next question, actually. It's going to be, what does life look like for Callum Reynolds after football? So you're just about to answer that in, in the same same breath. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, you get plenty of time off of like when you yeah. play it. And I've thought I've been thinking about it since I was probably at all the shot. So I worked in a gym before. That was kind of just a it was a good experience. I didn't really see it as a career, personal training. Um, then I went full time at all the shot, so I didn't work there. And I thought about loads of things. There's nothing that really sort of captured my imagination. I didn't want to sign up for like a three year long distance uni course, and after a year, be like, this isn't what I want. Yeah, like I do. I do love football. But the older I get, there's more politics involved and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know if I want to be involved in that. I want to be involved somehow, um, but maybe not the day-to-day stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of time to think. And in the lockdown, I actually rented a rowing machine off of my partner's brother. Because he used to work in travel, but that all got shut down. So, mm, he had a yeah. gym equipment and it was it was like everyone wanted something from the gym, didn't they, at the time, because they were closed. Um, and I had it for two years, and I was like, and he used to do deliveries. I said, what kind of people are like, hiring him? And he said, a lot of like quite wealthy people. And he was like, but they don't want to buy these things because they don't want to own them if they break. Yeah. For like three, four years. So they could have bought one in that time. And it kind of got me thinking. And then, and then, yeah, especially now with recovery and, well, everything really, like mental health um, has, has grown a lot. Yeah, it's well. massive, yeah. Um, and I think your physical health ties into that, definitely. Because when I don't play football, I'm not happy. Like if I'm injured or if I'm not in the team, it does affect me mentally. And I think people spend a lot of time, especially a lot of money on gyms and doing stuff and exercising now. But the amount of time you spend in a gym compared to the time you can spend recovering, mm. it, like... It doesn't even come close. You know what I mean? The longest yeah. you're going to spend in an hour in the gym is an hour, two hours max. Whereas the rest of the time, it's why I don't love it in the evenings. You can stick it on on the sofa while you're watching football or a film. Or some people that work from home, um, they they've hired them as well. Because like now, I can have more now. We're on the on the call. Oh you know yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm recovering. So yeah, it's um, I'm I'm sort of targeting the sports industry if you like to start with um but yeah who knows who knows where this is going to go hopefully it's something i can build up whilst i'm still playing um but yeah i decided to set it up just before the first baby <laughs> and now i've got two so i've been busy um <laughs> busy with the children as well um but i love that like since i've been a dad it's been amazing amazing experience um definitely changed my perspective on life really and football um and it does change her i think if you if it doesn't something's wrong <laughs> yeah no i quite agree with you absolutely agree with you um uh, it's been yeah. absolute sorry go on but no just saying i love it i love being a parent um i say to my missus actually 
some days when she's like saying like you get to go out, I'm like, I'm going to play football. Sitting on a train, I'm going to play football. Come home, like obviously I'm tired, but I come home and play with the kids and that till they go to bed. Yeah. And she's moaning and that. And I'm like, you're getting paid to be off work to look after him. I was like, I'd love to be on maternity leave and get paid. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, this country, it's not its not the way for the men. <laughs> no, it's not, is it? It's not, unfortunately. Well, listen, Carol, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you very much for coming on and being part of the uh, part of my relaunch. No, nah, it's a um, pleasure. I feel privileged, actually, to be the first one uh, first one since you got started back up. Well, funny, I had uh, was it Scott, Scott messaged me the other day about something, and he said about doing another pod, because he loves coming on and doing yeah. them. And I said, oh, I said, well, Callum's on first. So I said he's beating you to it, so you'll have to you'll have to wait your time. And he's on about well, we could do a double. I said, yeah. I said that's a, that could be in the pipeline as well. So maybe yeah. uh, before just before the season starts, we're trying, or just after it starts, try and get you both on together. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I enjoy doing it. It's been it's been enjoyable. Um, and just to talk, do you know what I mean? Like you said, mm. it gives fans a bit of a different perspective about players and situations and stuff. Exactly. Um, because it's hard, like I said, after a game, I'm not going to go up to like a thousand people and try and explain something that's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we saw that Maidstone after that, on that, I think that that run, um, a few yeah. people had a few choice words for Darren. And I was I was standing at the back of the terrace thinking, hang on, they've played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. They've not let a goal in. And they've been doing that for weeks. And then and a bit like Barnet this year, you get to a point where you hit the brick wall. You can't go any further. You've given everything you can for nine solid weeks in a row and something's got to give. But there's a, there, are, there are a lot of people that are sensible. There are a lot of people that are intelligent. And there are some people I find that watch football but don't understand football if you get what. You, yeah. you, you probably get what I mean. They might not. But... Yeah, yeah, but I, th- I think, I think again, as I've got older, I'm a bit of perspective and stuff. Like, it's, it's football, isn't it, at the end of the day? Mm. In the chain. For some people, it's their release. Um, and people people pay like that's why I feel a privileged position. People pay to watch us play. Do you know what I mean? There's not yeah. many. There's not many sort of. It is an entertainment industry. You pay your money if you worked hard all week, and if someone's serving up a crap performance, like it is a bit of kick of the teeth. So like, um, but again, it's just it's one of them things. Um, a lot of the things that people say when they're in the stand, they wouldn't say. Like if they met you in public, like same on Twitter as well. Absolutely yeah. the same on Twitter as well. Um, but like now, nah, I enjoy talking. Um, and I, like I said, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me on. And yeah, I'd love love to do one again. Um, anytime, anytime you want me back, if you want me back. <laughs> no, of course, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we're trying to get one with you and Scott together. Like I say, in a couple of months' time or so. Um, yeah. but for now, that's the relaunch of Trev Talks done. Okay, so just to tag a little bit back on the end of this which I'd actually forgotten to ask Callum at the time um, from Scott Putman who asked me to ask him about fantasy football and how bad he is at the draft in particular well Scott actually sent me a couple of uh, excuse me screenshots afterwards and he's in front of Callum but I think with this was with a week to go for the final week of the season and he was in front of Callum by 73 points and that actually week's score had put got 10 points further in front of Callum as well. So uh, obviously uh, Callum doesn't look like he's gonna, he was going to win that unless he scored around about 200 points in the last week, which I very much doubt because when you look at the team that Scott sent me as well, he's had Thiago Silva 
and Huming Son in the team, both of which have been massively out of form this year. Unsurprisingly, neither of them picked up many points on the uh, week that, that Scott gave to me as well. So, uh, obviously, um, and apparently he stuck with him all season. So, he's uh, no no chance of uh, Callum making a gaffer, is there? And uh, Scott did agree with me on that. So, uh, we'll pop this little bit on the end. And uh, once again, thank you to Callum for his time. Um, it was really interesting to uh, hear about the start of his career, really, because a lot of people know him as a National League defender at Aldershot, Barnet, Dagenham and now Bromley. Uh, that time spent at Russian and Diamonds, which until I researched, I didn't know too much about, was uh, very interesting as well. So stay tuned for the next episode. Episode three, hopefully, will be around the corner. And for now, hope you've enjoyed this hour with Callum Reynolds.